When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, and welcome to In the Limelight, Vanity Fair's entertainment and pop culture podcast. I'm Josh Duboff, Vanity Fair senior writer, and I'm here with Julie Miller, Vanity Fair's senior Hollywood writer. On In the Limelight, we analyze the ins and outs of pop culture, entertainment, and celebrity from the past week, from the Kardashians to Kate Middleton, and everything in between. So we have a whole lot to discuss this week. Julie and I both broke out the black tie ensembles for different events on different coasts, sadly. I attended the Amphar New York Gala, which is sort of the unofficial kickoff to New York Fashion Week. And meanwhile, Julie went to the Grammys last night, which I am so excited to hear all about. We will also discuss how Amal Clooney is pregnant with twins and what this means for the world. But first, Josh, I really want to hear about your night out on the town because I feel like you're always on the Amphar gala circuit. I was going to say. You're like a regular. <laughs> um, I brought the tux out. It was actually, this was again at Cipriani, which I feel like I still am never 100% sure of my pronunciation, but I'm pretty sure that's it. Do like the bartenders know you by now? No, but they, they probably should, like if any of them are paying enough attention, because I'm the one who's awkwardly fidgeting near the bar <laughs> for the first like hour. But there was a Moe and Chandon. Oh, God, that pronunciation also sounded botched. But a champagne vending machine. For someone who spends so much time in this world, your vocabulary could use a little help. Your luxury oh. vocabulary. If I was on some sitcom, there'd be like the quick montage of all Josh's botched mispronunciations of these things. Anyway, there was a champagne vending machine, which was later auctioned off as part of the charity mm. auction. There was a woman who was manning it and she would go up and she'd give you a golden coin. And then you inserted the golden coin and it was all just little bottles of champagne. So it didn't matter what numbers you pressed in. You were getting the champagne no matter what. So she's like, which number do you want? And I would say 33. Then the champagne came out. They had a different woman who opened it for you. Was she wearing gloves? For some reason, I'm <laughs> picturing her with gloves. As she's it wasn't it she you. actually had like a whole apparatus. It was like an operating table. And then they took a photo of you when they handed you the champagne at the end. And then I found out at the auction that it was, it was all sort of the demonstration because Alan Cumming went over during the actual auction to like show you again sort of how beautiful and glamorous it would be to have a champagne vending machine in your house. I'm picturing him like <laughs> Price is Right style kind of doing all of the gestures. Oh yeah, he got, he got really into it. He was the perfect person for this. And then it went for $85,000 during the charity auction. 
Wow. So, I wonder what the price is and whether that like includes, do they come and refill it for you? Or is that just That like, was my question. Once you're out, you're out. Well, then the woman next to me was like, honey, you think that's not worth it even if they don't refill it? I'm like, well, I don't know. Like, I probably could go through that in like a month. <laughs> who was your seatmate? Who was the woman who made that comment? Uh, the less we say about her, the better. But like, imagine walking into an apartment and like I hand you a golden coin and I don't tell you what it's for. Then you walk into my foyer and you see the champagne vending machine and then I You would get you. so sick of explaining <laughs> that thing though. You would just like at the end of the month put it under a curtain or something and just and not. be like, uh, like it's over there. It reminds me of my friends who have um arcade, uh, what do you call those? <laughs> this is another, this is not my area of expertise. You know, one of those like video game machines, but like an arcade style, like you'd have a Chuck like E. Cheese. Pin, pinball. Yeah, yeah. Like actual arcade <laughs> games, yes. yeah. Yeah, okay. and it's like this giant thing in their living room. I feel like at this point, they're annoyed when people come over and they're like, oh my God, can we play? Right, and I feel like you and I would just want a glass of champagne and we have to go through all of that just to get it out and open it up. No, it's true. What an inconvenience in your life to have this. <laughs> to have to like, go through all that to get the complicated delivery system. Yes. But the event was it was honoring Scarlett Johansson and Donatella Versace. So they were the women of honor. <laughs> and what do they have in common? Just that they've really helped the organization? Or? Yeah, they both have done a lot for the fight against AIDS. And they had like a little clip reel showing all the different volunteer work they've done and the different kind of events and campaigns they've been a part of. Scarlett was introduced by Mark Ruffalo, her Avengers co-star, who gave this very stirring tribute to her. <laughs> and she she read her remarks. I love that you point out that she read her remarks. <laughs> We're going to have some echoing of this later when we talk about Beyonce, because reading remarks to me... I mean, Scarlett did a wonderful job. She was very articulate. Did her note card match her dress? <laughs> It was not a golden lame pamphlet <laughs> in the style Custom of Beyonce. Custom ordered like months in advance. Yeah, uh, we have a lot to talk about when we get to the Grammys. But Lena Dunham was supposed to host, but she felt sick. So there was all these jokes like Iman filled in for her at the beginning was like, Again, felt sick versus was sick. <laughs> okay. I'm just, I'm just so I mag- love I'm, it. I'm, I'm, always, love I'm it. always looking glass half full. That's me. But Iman was like, FYI, I'm not Lena Dunham. And then more people made that joke later. Kenneth Cole came out and was like, you know, oh, we, we couldn't get Lena Dunham because she was sick. So we got her doppelganger, Amon. It was like, not that, you know, didn't exactly bring the house down. Like it is doing so here. <laughs> I know. Everyone's in stitches while they're doing their laundry right now. <laughs> but basically, there was a kind of a lot of supermodels there because it's the beginning of fashion week. So there was Naomi Campbell and Heidi Klum. Alessandra Ambrosio, Adriana Lima, and they were all sitting together looking, you know, glitzy and fabulous. Paris Hilton was probably my favorite sighting, actually. Why? Um, Well, it's just, I was shocked to see her and she looked luminous. We have to improve our attitudes. (laughs) Yeah, why? Jesus. (laughs) Paris Hilton did not go through everything she's gone through for you to say that. She was wearing this orange beachy dress. She looked like she was totally on her own wavelength. It was if she was walking from a cabana to pick up a pina colada. She was in a whole different stratosphere. And my seatmate, who I still will not mention who she is or where she worked, she was thrilled to see Paris also. So we had that in common. And <laughs> Wait, I have a couple questions. First yeah. of which, I've been to one Amphar Gala before. They had an amazing auction. 
And I think Sharon Stone did it, and she got really into it. Did you guys have a celebrity auctioneer? So there was an auctioneer who was just a guy who someone at my table said always does these kind of things. And he was good. He was really getting everyone going. Oh, Scarlett Johansson uh, won some earrings for $50,000. So she bought some earrings. (laughs) (laughs) She bought extraordinarily overpriced pair of earrings. They're like Harry Winston. Yeah, for a good cause. But... Jeremy Piven did this whole bit sort of with the auctioneer. He called himself the poor man's Tom Ford. That's funny. Yeah, it's funny. And it's one of those things where it's really just on point. I was immediately like, oh, yeah, that's actually totally right. And then he sort of did bits with the auctioneer. So he was kind of involved in the whole auctioning situation. So he had banter. <laughs> he had ongoing banter. Yeah, with the but, it was, but it was all very fast. And I couldn't really even see like I've been at some of these events where it's very prolonged and everyone has to stand when they're bidding like this auctioneer, we got right down to business. It was like Scarlet, you this one, Alessandra, Heidi, you know, wow. <laughs> it was like it was no nonsense. But everyone is waiting to hear about Julie's Grammys night. So I think we have to get to that now. So walk me through. You were actually in the audience at the Grammys. I was in the audience. So as our loyal listeners may remember, I was originally going to be in the press room. Right. But then on Friday, I was offered two Grammy tickets. I immediately text Josh. Look to see how many airline miles I have. And there were like... Probably two hours where you were really contemplating coming Uh, out. I really came close. I was like, you know, weighing Beyonce, seeing her in live versus the expense and the kind of like logistical complications and the stress. And Beyonce still came out on top, but I just couldn't pull the trigger. It was torturous. So I went to my backup date, my husband. Yeah. We went to the Grammys, which I guess is, I'm taking a really wow, long that, time. That was, the, that was the most nonchalant way anyone's ever delivered that sentence. <laughs> that was delivered like <laughs> I had to pick up the Chinese food. <laughs> okay. You went to the Grammys. So, <laughs> what I didn't realize, I guess, is the Grammys are in the Staples Center, which is this huge mm. arena, stadium arena, where the Lakers play. It fits 21,000 people. So I miscalculated the timing, not realizing that I would have to get in a security line that wrapped around like three full buildings. Oh, wow. Okay. I know. So it's all these people in formal wear kind of teetering. It was a very, very Hunger Games vibe of the people in waiting in line. A lot of spangly sequin blazers, a lot of colorful hair. Did you recognize anyone waiting near you in line or anything like that? Well, so I got in line in this big man painted head to toe in gold. Sumo walks past us. But no one even bats an eye. This is just like the Grammys. And then 10 minutes Wait, later... Wait, that was CeeLo, right? That was CeeLo. So 10 oh minutes later, gosh. Ryan and I have not moved at all in line. And CeeLo whizzes <laughs> by in the opposite direction on top of this red convertible. Wait, what? A lot of questions because there were so many blocks blocked off for traffic. I have no idea. How he got this car in, again, no one's even looking twice, but the guy next to me was wearing this rainbow scarf, and he said, I've been coming to Grammys for 20 years, as if that explained why he wasn't at all impressed. Uh, at all, like, flummoxed by CeeLo and the convertible painted gold. That is very Hunger Games, CeeLo painted gold, that's true. <laughs> right. So finally, we get in a tent. It's a very, very long walk through like eight different metal detectors. Everybody has their cell phones out. 
I was getting very annoyed because I really was scared I was going to miss the opening performance and I thought I was going to be Beyonce. So I was kind of having an anxiety attack because you have also been late for Beyonce (laughs) and you know that very unique sense of anxiety, right? Yes. Once I went in New York about two years ago with Kia, one of my coworkers, we saw Beyonce and Jay-Z in New Jersey and somehow we miscalculated the Uber situation and we got there, I think, 20 minutes late and missed Crazy in Love and... I'll never forgive myself. I'm really happy that you didn't. Well, see, you would have just, you would have only, you would have only missed Adele, but it actually would have been okay. You still would have gotten there for Beyonce. I know. So we finally got to our seats just as they were counting down till start of the show. So like 30 seconds in, Adele is in this circular stage. I'd say like 20 rows in front of us, kind of in the dark, alone on the stage. I am immediately so nervous for her because I remembered her last year. Yeah. Last year, she kind of flubbed it, but she starts in hello. She has no huge distracting production design mm. or anything because Adele does not need that within seriously 10 seconds of her singing. Hello, belting it out. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. And I'm not a huge Adele fan. The woman <laughs> sitting to my left bursts into tears just erupts like tears projectile spewing from her eyes whoa do you think she was related to adele i mean like it was very moving but that's quite the reaction i don't know i feel like it stirred up some sort of trauma she had (laughs) everyone's heard that song like probably 801 times but it's still bringing her to tears i guess she was in the did you feel like being in the presence of it was a whole different effect it sounds like you did i did i don't love that that song just because i've heard it so many so times. many times yeah but the girl then stuck out her arm and she was like look at my goosebumps like she wanted to compare <laughs> goosebumps and i slowly lifted up my arm and was surprised to discover that i too was covered in goosebumps wait that sounds like the beginning of romantic comedy between you and her <laughs> i know like, i know where were you in the audience how close to blue ivy carter were you <laughs> Oh, like that's a my mile me- that's away. my metric for understanding where people were. Were you looking directly at the stage? I was kind of off to the left a little bit. There's a okay. big stage in front, and then in the middle of the arena is kind of the circular stage. So while you know James Corden or someone's performing on the main stage, they're setting up the center stage for someone else. Is there anything that people who've only seen it on TV, like most of us have, is there anything about being there that was like shocking to you or weird about how it's set up? Oh, everything that springs to my mind is like complaint <laughs> go we're 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 in a mood today to we are us. punchy this like, is a punchy monday one of my favorite parts of watching award shows is seeing all the cutaways to yes. people in the audience and you couldn't really see those they had two jumbotrons but they weren't showing the audience yeah the only time i saw blue ivy was when carpool karaoke maybe carpool karaoke It was distressing because I realized they were setting it for Beyonce. They covered the stage in this blanket that was made to look like beautiful different colored flowers were laying all over the stage. Having you there was amazing for that because Julie was giving updates about what was happening and she was writing, like, they're putting flowers on the stage. I see like 80% more flowers. It was like, it was the way someone would do like a weather report or something about what was happening with these flowers. She's like, Beyonce is coming. Beyonce is imminent. And so like during a commercial break and no one would have known otherwise. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm one of the few people who knows Beyonce is coming up after the break. 
And then someone else weirdly performed oh. right after. And I was like, well, wait, what I happened? I was so ready. They had the chairs in formation. I was like, this is very clearly the stage is Beyonce ready. And then they yeah. cut to some alt country <laughs> duo who, while very charming, they were not, not Beyonce. Beyonce. It was agonizing. And then after them, it went right almost to Beyonce, though. So you were totally right about the flowers. I was totally right. But I have to say that in person, she had so much going on. I feel like there were a lot of visual effects that were meant Mm. for at-home viewers. Yeah. So what was it like for that whole performance she did in the room? It's like the audience... Could you see it all? Because there was a lot happening. No, I couldn't see it all. Yeah. I didn't really realize what was her and what was like the... Yeah. I I had that too. I'm like... I love how we can't even help ourselves here. We're just spewing words. There was also the, um, at first it looked like Blue Ivy and her mom were there. I got momentarily right. thrown off. I was like, are they on stage with her? But it was all sort of part of this like video part. And then it was a very clear Last Supper, right? Yes, Reference? Right, yeah. I, okay. This is where it gets strange for me because I am the biggest Beyonce fan. Yes. She showed up in that huge gold headdress yes. and she's recreating the Last Supper, but even jesus sat down with the disciples she like seats herself on top of the table wow are we (laughs) we're we're daring to come for beyonce now this is this is how julie and i are feeling today what did you think well i've talked to a lot of people at the performance in the office this morning and texting with friends last night i actually am surprised people are a little more mixed than i thought and i am a little bit torn on the performance too actually obviously she's very pregnant i mean she looked much farther along than i would have thought from the instagram and it was a very museum installation-y vibe to me, which, you know, she's kind of on a different plane and she operates on this whole other level. And like the precision was incredible. Everything looked stunning. And I was like watching it just like this is a marvel. But my personal preference is the high octane Beyonce who's dancing like you can't believe kind of thing. And this was obviously not that, but she's pregnant, so I can't get too upset about it, you know. I was hoping for more upbeat songs. Yeah, actually. that's the other thing. Sandcastles is so beautiful, but like on an awards show. And so many of the performances I felt this about last night, energy for so many of the songs was like slow, ballady. I'm like, where's the pep? Right. <laughs> where's the pep, says Josh Duboff. <laughs> yeah. Did the crowd like it? Well, that's another weird thing. I've never seen Beyonce in concert and person obviously mm. so i i was very excited and I, I was a little bit underwhelmed but it was weird because yeah. adele it's like she's performing for the people it's like there's this communication there's this yes. back and forth but beyonce it almost seemed like it wasn't for us it was like she was creating some sort of spectacle yeah that's actually interesting it did feel to me like she was performing for tv in a way you know, Adele was like, oh, they're filming this, you know, <laughs> like Adele right. was like at a, a whole different kind of thing. It was really interesting because the audience was so keyed into Adele. Yeah. She did that performance. Everybody was up on their feet afterwards. And with Beyonce, it's kind of like they just rose, like they knew they were <laughs> expected to stand. And it was like a sign of respect to some sort of yeah. royalty. When Beyonce won, again, it was just like people stood up almost like in church, <laughs> go to church, and you have to just everybody. It's like you just say everyone has to stand for the gospel. We have to talk about the note card. I was about to say that we're on the same wavelength. Because okay. to me, the performance is one thing. And, you know, my brother and I were texting after because we were both so upset. I think Lemonade should have won Album of the Year. And I was very upset about that. Agreed. So, like, you know, I love Beyonce. So do you. But when she read that speech off the note card, It was very detached. What she was saying was great, but it was a strange moment to me. 
I don't know how it read in the room, but I don't know. I wanted that connection. I was very confused because I was still kind of reeling from her performance. And all of a sudden she's on stage. She had her gold note card. I hate when any award winner produces a piece of paper. That's just to me so boring. Yeah. But then the fact that she had clearly custom printed this thing on gold how many months ahead of time did she order that maybe we can get like a conspiracy theory type thing going because my friend dan tweeted which i thought was actually very interesting right after she read that because that was very early on it was like halfway through we were still waiting for many big awards that read to him the way he interpreted it was like the speech someone reads when they don't think they're gonna win anything else really oh because it was such a like intense thing when she had the booklet, reading prepared remarks. I did actually think, even before I saw his tweet, that like it's kind of interesting that she was giving such kind of regal treatment to this acceptance speech when she was probably going to win a lot more awards that night. But then it came true. He didn't. She didn't win any others. But she did change her dress, which I took as a sign that she thought she was going to win something else. Yeah, good point. I mean, even Beyonce, I don't think gets a heads up about if she's going to win a Grammy, but you never know. I was very pleased that Tina Knowles made an appearance, and <laughs> I just want to know what happened backstage in that green room between her and John Travolta. Wait, also, other questions related to Tina Knowles. Was Richard Lawson there? We don't know, I guess. I hope backstage with a toothpick. <laughs> yeah, maybe he's like, I'm sitting this one out, Tina. <laughs> and then secondly, I liked Tina going off book. I did too. Because I was like, that's such a mom thing, you know? She was just like, had to work in there that they both had won something that night or something. I love that she just had to get in that little kind of maternal boast. Right. What did your Adele fanatic seatmate think of Beyonce? She left after Beyonce (laughs) and she never returned. I have no idea. I guess Adele was like too much for her. (laughs) Does she need to like go into some sort of program? She stood up and she was like, I have to get out of here. Could you see any celebrities in the audience or did you have any good sightings? I was pretty excited because they have all the celebrities and nominees on the floor and we were in the lower level. So we were up a little bit. But Dr. Drew was two rows ahead of us, which was very interesting. He did not stand up for Beyonce. <laughs> wow. He did, he did you heard stand it here up. first. He did stand up and kind of shift uncomfortably out of beat with Tribe Called Quest. Everybody stood up for Tribe Called Quest. They got every single person even way, way up in the risers. Interesting. Why was Dr. Drew at the Grammys? Was he nominated for something? I mean, why shouldn't he be at the Grammys? (laughs) They have 20,000 seats to fill. (laughs) Drew, get on in here. (laughs) But then I saw we walked to the after party. And of course, the first person I see is Dr. Drew. Sitting at a table. Wait, did you talk to him? No, he had already fixed himself a buffet plate. And I think he was... I like how he was kind of like spiritually going through the whole evening with you. <laughs> he was your kind of unspoken ally. That's a real connection. Another complaint is that the Staples Center is a sports arena. So they have like Wetzel's Pretzels, McDonald's, all of these food vendors. Mm. But for some reason, they were all closed. Oh, so you could see them, but they had the bar chain. They had like the garage door style (laughs) thing down. I hate that so much when it's something you want. I know. So we had to get there so early just to wait in line. And then it was four hours, it felt like. And nothing is open. Finally, we found one vendor, but all they were selling was bottles of water for $5.50. 
Oh God, that's crazy. I remember this from my friend Andrew going last year that you can't get alcohol there either. I know. I would have taken a Wetzel's pretzel. I didn't even need alcohol at that point. I felt like everybody's blood <laughs> sugar was so low. Celine Dion came out and was trying to pay this emotional tribute to her <laughs> husband who has since passed. And everybody was just hangry and like talking through it. There was no respect. Respect went out the window so fast. <sighs> Memo to Grammys feed pretzels to the crowd if you want emotional waterworks. <laughs> so wait, we went out desperate during the BG's tribute, no offense. But we went out desperate to try to find any sort of food. We saw Ron Jeremy in like track pants trying to talk his way into some VIP suite and the security guard was not having it. It was the saddest, 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 saddest. It was oh pretty gosh. sad. You're a Grammy slideshow of Ron Jeremy, Dr. Drew, this woman who cried to Adele, the faint blurry outline of Blue Ivy. Like that's the slideshow I want. I don't need another, you know, like all the looks slideshow. Wait, speaking of alcohol, did you see Rihanna? Because she was my favorite thing about the whole night almost because she had this flask. Did you see? That was like the only cutaway we were seeing on the Jumbotron, which was not a bad cutaway of Rihanna dancing to everything with her flask. Yeah, she was living it up the whole night. She gave the flask to her friend. Oh, she also was FaceTiming at one point. Bottomless flask. (laughs) I was like, what is in this flask? Whatever it is, it's the most delicious alcohol you've ever had, I'm sure. And then work was nominated for record of the year towards the very end. And I was like, if she wins, this will be the best acceptance speech in the history of. Oh, that's such a good call. But then she didn't win. So I had to stop looking at the jumbo trunk when she and the flask were shown because I was so hungry and thirsty. (laughs) And I just couldn't. They needed to do an Emmy style. Like when I went to the Emmys and everyone got a peanut butter and jelly sandwich made by Uh, Jimmy Kimmel's mom and everyone chowed down. I feel like a real fight would have broken out, though, with those 20,000 people. Our other favorite one was after we walked past Ron Jeremy, we saw Two Chains. What was he doing? Two Chains looked fabulous. He had a really great navy suit on. His hair was braided very tastefully in the back. Um, and he was just kind of hanging out. So we decided to people watch for a second. And it was kind of crazy because no one really accosted him. Finally, this guy in a white bathrobe, straight up white bathrobe in a white captain's hat came up and is approaching two chains and i was like this is not gonna go well <laughs> this like i am ready to break this up whatever is gonna happen but then two chains wrapped both arms around this guy like a long lost friend and they left the staple center together wait what that's a beautiful tale <laughs> they knew each other i guess they were like old friends i don't know who this wow. guy was if you're listening to this and you have any tips on Two Chains's uh, please Grammys day, let us know. Well, what an evening, Julie. Well, let's talk about the other big news of the week, which is non-Grammy related, but almost caused us to have to do another emergency podcast. But we restrained ourselves, which is the birth of George Clooney. Or, or no, no, sorry, the pregnancy. Oh my, of- don't jump the gun. <laughs> I feel like this is bad luck. Amal Clooney is pregnant. That's what I'm trying Which to say. Which I feel like you, you predicted this. Yes, yeah, so I was going to say. So I wouldn't even realize this. And then my brother was listening to our episode last week and he texted me like, you guys predicted this. And I said, oh, I guess we kind of did because Kelly, our beloved coworker, and I were texting the weekend prior about how we saw some photos of her in the Daily Mail and we were kind of wondering and people had been floating it. And then a few days later, Julie Chen on the talk confirmed 
that they're expecting. And I guess they also have twins and they're due in June. So twins is where it's at right now. Right. If you are even pregnant with like a single baby, does that even count anymore? No, Hollywood has no time for you if you're only going to have one kid. It's just crazy because who would have thought 10 years ago we would be living in a world where George Clooney was married and about about to to be a father. And I feel like so much of what's happened since like Matt Damon, Don Cheadle, like various friends have come out of the woodwork and been like, you know, Don Cheadle, I saw today made some joke about how he's going to be a terrible father and Don's going to have to intervene you know, because those are Ocean's Eleven bros, it's all about ribbing. Right. But I did like that Matt Damon confirmed the pregnancy after <laughs> Julie Chen reported it last week because he happened to be doing press for his new movie and Entertainment Weekly got to him. And I guess George told him about Amal's pregnancy eight weeks in. And Matt Damon freaked out because you can't do that. That's terrible luck. But I did think it was kind of endearing. Like, of course, George Clooney doesn't know those rules. What would you have done if Amal had posted a similar style Instagram as Beyonce had to announce the pregnancy? You know that George (laughs) made a joke about that, like, hey, Amal. I feel like those prank-happy dudes, you know one of them photoshopped Amal's face onto that Beyonce thing and texted it to George. Do you think that Brad Pitt reached out, or is he just, like, in such a dark period right now because of the split? Because he would definitely have some good twin advice. Oh, good point. Knox and Viv. Those twins were ahead of their time. They were. Who knew? (laughs) But Brad, I feel like, is too... Maybe this will help, like, get him out of his gloom a little bit. Like, he'll go to the baby shower. He'll plan the baby shower. He'll plan (laughs) the baby shower. He'll have, like, really intense ideas, sketches about what the nursery could look like. He's very into furniture building. And, like, George and Matt Damon are just texting each other. George is like, this is such a hideous design. And Matt's like, come on, man, he needs this. <laughs> I feel like Brad's going to totally make the crib. Couldn't you see that? Oh, my God. He's already <laughs> at work. He is in the shop with like a do not disturb. He's been in there for like 50 hours. <laughs> this is the project to channel his energy right now. The mall's going to hate this crib so much. And like, <laughs> I know. They're going to have to put it in a closet and bring it out every time he comes out. Not to be melodramatic, but it seems like the end of a celebrity era, though, right? He's just a consummate playboy bachelor. Hasn't he said a bunch of times he was never going to be a dad? And now it's just hard to reconcile. I think he'll be fun, right? Twins is a lot to handle. From what I hear from Kelly, our resident twin expert. I wonder what the names are going to be. Do you think they'll be like pretty Italian names to commemorate their wedding in Venice? Oh, okay. Interesting. Oh, what if they name one Venice? It'd be cute if one was named after a pal, like Julia Roberts or something. Oh, <laughs> right. If they go Italian, shout out to our coworker, Chiara. Chiara. Is that Italian? That'd be a very pretty name for George. And Chiara Clooney. Oh. Clooney works well with all. I know. I feel like she's definitely considered Chiara Clooney for herself. (laughs) That didn't make any sense. Okay. Oh, I see what I see where you're going with that. (laughs) Yeah, she has. All right. I know we need a quick Megan update. So Megan posted though for our first Instagram. We have to touch on this before we leave you all. Yeah, sorry. Uh, Megan Markle. I'm on such an intimate basis with her now. I forget that not everyone is clear who I mean when I say like Meg. <laughs> but Maggie posted an Instagram the first time in two months or so. And Julie, obviously you and I have both been bemoaning that she's been so absent from social media, which has been our sustenance, her posts. And she returned with like a very cryptic, it was like a photo of her feet 
She's wearing these kind of cat-themed flats. And the hashtag she has for us is no bad energy. We really needed that. We needed yeah, that Yeah, Julie and I are both in a place at this moment where we needed it. So we felt like she was speaking to us, a la Sushi Park, when she guided us to all those celebrities. And as you can see, we've really incorporated that <laughs> no bad energy hashtag into our lives. Yeah, it lasted for about two hours. Then we reverted to, you know, <laughs> wanting to take down everyone. But no bad energy. No one really knows what it means, but I was so happy to see her on Instagram. A lot of the comments were kind of trying to hypothesize what she was going through. It was unclear if something had happened or if this was just like a general message to all of us. How did you interpret it, Julie? Oh, I didn't even do that much thinking about it because I was on my way to my gram- to my Grammys. Uh, the Grammys. The Julie <laughs> Miller presents the Grammys. But I love the idea that it could be in response to some sort of royal family situation do you think maybe she got wind from harry that kate middleton you know regifted the dream journal right or maybe she made some sort of like organic muffins for harry and then she saw them in the trash i feel like something really got under her skin and she just needed to remember i can't let this stuff get to me the royals are insane there's a lot to take on here i'm megan markle I just got to do my thing and not let any of this get to me. You know, eyes on the prize. You know, <laughs> and then she took a quick snap of her cat flats and just needed to remind us all to not let bad energy seep in. But wait, was it shock? <laughs> did she draw Good that question. on the sidewalk? I know. Or did she find that? <laughs> I was trying to ponder the same thing. Did she write that hashtag? Did she just find it? I think she wrote it because it was so beautifully kind of like the calligraphy the on fonts, it. The fonts, right, was very Megan. Very Megan. She loves that whimsical kind of pastel look. I feel like she heard something about Kate. Maybe Kate texted her by accident, like meant for oh, someone else. Oh, that would be so good. Who would it be for? And what Pip- did she Pippa. say? I feel like it was meant for oh, Pippa. Oh, right. Right. It's like when you're texting about someone and you're just thinking their name and then... And maybe all she got was like, oh God, is she really coming back to London already? And like there was no name and she thinks it's about her and she's freaking out and spiraling. But how would Kate handle that though? Would she say anything or would she play it (laughs) off? She would call in her royal advisors. Kate would call someone and some like anonymous man would just arrive wherever Megan was and snatch the phone from her. But no bad energy. It's a great mantra and one that we could all do to incorporate more into our day to day, right, Julie? I know. We're going to remind each other. We're just going to start texting each other. No bad energy. That's going to be our Oscar week slogan, which leads us to next week. Perfect transition. Oh. <laughs> when you guys hear from us next week, I will be almost in Los Angeles, but. I will be going for the Oscars. Julie and I will be united and we will have so much content and coverage and little sightings and such in our Los Angeles adventures to tell you about. We'll be at the Vanity Fair Oscar parties. We'll be able to tell you all about that. We'll be going to every restaurant Meghan Markle has ever mentioned in an interview. We also have to shout out to a fan, Wendy. We've gotten some great responses from fans and this was, I don't want to say the best because everything we get is wonderful, but this was a phenomenal highlight of our weekend. This email from Wendy, it was like a breakdown of all the different episodes of suits that are upcoming with episode descriptions and kind of what Megan was going through in real life when she was filming each episode. It was very well researched, very informative. And then she has some questions at the end for us to ponder, which we're doing. I feel like when I'm in LA, Julie and I are going to get portions of this email tattooed on ourselves. (laughs) 
So but we're going to go back and we're going to watch an episode. Oh, yeah. So then we're also going to use it more practically as a guide for ourselves <laughs> to kind of like understand what Megan was going through on the show. That does it for this week's episode of In the Limelight. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please remember to rate, review. If you have any kind of Meghan Markle insights, let us know on iTunes, on Twitter, on Instagram. It really helps us find new listeners and gives us a morale boost, uh, which we need more and more these days. I put that in the script. (laughs) Julie added that into the script. A cry for help in our script today. Also, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at In the Limelight. If you have any other suggestions for what we should do in Los Angeles... Right. No, we're up for anything. You can also follow us individually. I'm at Julie W. Miller. My handle is Jay Dubuff. We have an Instagram, which is in the limelight pod is our Instagram handle. This episode was edited and produced by the wonderful Alana Milner. Thanks to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply. And thank you guys for joining us. We will talk to you next week. Bye. What a rollicking fun episode. Woo.